Hello and welcome to Cracking for Code number 25, New Mutants number 3 review. I'm your host, Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. You can find all sorts of reading orders, guides, and comic book analysis over on Comic Book Herald at any given time. Today, I'm going to continue the Kraken Krakoa series that began with House of X and Powers of Ten in the earlier parts of this year by Jonathan Hickman and Pepe Larraz and uh, R.B. Silva. Today, though, we're going to be talking about New Mutants number three. Without further ado, let's get into this new and, frankly, quite interesting comic book. New Mutants number three, who are the new New Mutants? The third issue of New Mutants is the first solely written by Ed Brisson with art by Flaviano, and it's a trip back from space to Krakoa and a whole new gang of youthful mutants. I've gathered the shift from the Hickman-driven classic New Mutants in space story is relatively divisive for some readers, but I honestly enjoyed the return to Krakoa with a new crop of youngsters. Today I'll answer, who are these new New Mutants? How New Mutants could function more like an X-Men anthology than we expected? Whether or not Glob Herman is the single strangest reading order request I've ever gotten on Comic Book Herald. Spoiler alert, he's not, but I do have a Glob Herman reading order for those interested. Who are these new, new mutants? Well, right up front on the introduction page, we get an intro to Armor, Glob, Sage, Boom Boom, Maxime, Manon. Likewise, given that much of the issue is Armor's quest looking for Beacon Angel and their kiddos, it's worth exploring those new X-Men staples as well. Whereas issues number one and number two of New Mutants deal almost exclusively with mutants debuting during the Chris Claremont-written New Mutants circa 1982, with the exception, of course, of Chamber and Mondo, New Mutants number three is a disparate collection collection of mutants who've debuted everywhere from Claremont and Byrne on Uncanny X-Men to Whedon and Cassidy on Astonishing X-Men in the early 2000s to late 2018 Extermination mini-event by Ed Brisson and Pepe Larraz. There are a lot of mutants here that might not be as familiar to the casual X-Fan, so I thought it would be interesting to provide a little history and, and context into the X-Men universe, which I've tried to do with these comic book herald reviews, is not just talk about whether or not I liked the issue, in this case, I did, uh, but actually give you some background and information that might help shape opinions and theories moving forward. So, let's run down the roster. Who is Armor? Armor is the clear leader throughout New Mutants number 3, asking about bringing more of her mutant friends along to Krakoa. I quite like this angle, as I've been asking the same thing about mutants not yet on Krakoa. There's still a lot of open-ended residency across Marvel's Merry Mutantum, as there are plenty of mutants we haven't yet seen on the island. Just last week, for example, we saw that Richter has apparently had issues controlling his powers enough to make it to Krakoa, and over the course of this issue, Armor identifies a similar challenge facing Angel and Beak. I think the idea of lots of mutants who are interested in going to Krakoa or are perhaps hesitant about going there is an interesting and intriguing one to explore. You know, we've seen a lot of mutants who can't get there due to government restrictions, due to being hunted, but there are also those who might just have things going on stateside that don't, you know, necessarily permit them to travel to Krakoa, even though it kind of seems House of X Powers 10 style like that's a foregone conclusion. So again, whose armor? Hisaki... Excuse me, Hisako Ichiki first appeared in Astonishing X-Men number 4 in the must-read Gifted story arc by Joss Whedon and John Cassidy. As her name suggests, she can generate a virtually indestructible psionic armor around her body, which gives her enhanced physical abilities. Throughout Astonishing, she takes on a role similar to that of Kitty Pride in the 80s or Jubilee in the 90s, the tenacious up-and-coming young woman who bonds with Wolverine. 
For my money, Astonishing is the best series to read to get a feel for armor, and because I enjoy her in that series so much, I'm excited to see her leading a new mutant squad here. This is a mutant who has plenty of experience and has fought alongside the likes of Cyclops, Emma Frost, and of course, Wolverine. Who is Glob Herman? Glob has transformed significantly since his debut in Grant Morrison's new X-Men, where the big plink blob with his eyes and bones hanging out was kind of a menace. Glob takes to Quentin Quire's Punk Riot at Xavier's mansion, lighting himself on fire. And uh, I think Glob tried to kill a guy. Actually, several humans. Glob softened significantly since then with roles everywhere from Wolverine and the X-Men to Age of X-Men most recently. Notably, Ed Brisson has taken on the mantle of Head Globitect, writing him into compelling stories in the pages of Old Man Logan, where he has an adorable friendship with Shark Girl, yet to be seen, hopefully coming soon in New Mutants, and even an X-Men Christmas special. If you're interested in the character of Glob Herman, who has become kind of a fan favorite over uh, certainly this decade, again, I do have a Glob Herman reading order on comicbookherald.com. Um, you can check that out for all of his appearances. I would recommend, obviously, New X-Men is is essential reading for X-Men fans of this era, but my favorite story of his in the last little while, uh, he has a really fun role in the Uncanny X-Men Disassembled, the first, like, 10 issues or so that build up to Age of X-Men from the, what is it, Marvel Legacy into the Marvel Fresh Start era. And again, of course, all these guides over on comicbookherald.com. Next character on our roster, who is Boom Boom? For my money, Boom Boom is one of the stranger inclusions with this young group of relatively obscure mutants because Boom Boom has been around. Tabitha Smith debuted all the way back in 1985 in Secret Wars number 2, believe it or not. It's in issue number 5 of that clunker, so you'd be forgiven for never making it that far into the event. I wouldn't recommend it. Boom Boom's bounced around the X-Men universe since then, most famously as a member of X-Force and in the all-time great Next Wave. That would be my recommendation for sure, without hesitation, for those looking to meet the character of Tabitha Smith. Here's writer Warren Ellis on why he included Boom Boom in Next Wave. I wanted a character who could blow things up. There's more to the quote, but you get it. When we meet, when we meet Boom Boom in New Mutants number three, she is clearly restless and willing to accept even Armor's mission to Nebraska in order to get off Krakoa and do something. Her role is yet to be revealed in full, although I think it's fair to imagine she might be the help the other New Mutants need at the end of New Mutants number three. Who are Maxime and Menon? This one took some investigating on my end, because I'll be honest, I did not remember them. This is because they are re introduced really recently. Given their recent introduction, twins Maxime and Menon are the least instantly recognizable of this group. In the pages of the Brisson-written Extermination, Maxime and Menon are manipulated by Ahab, the mutant hunter from the Days of Future Past timeline, into turning various X-Men into his hounds, a la Rachel Summers. Ultimately, Ahab is defeated, and in doing so, Maxime and Manon are given a chance to be free of his influence with the X-Men. It occurs to me, having said it several times now, that it could be Manon. Let me know in the comments, as people like to do, because it turns out names are kind of hard to say. In terms of power set, Manon can control memory, and Maxime can manipulate emotions, and as you can gather from their brief appearance in, in New, Act, or New Mutants number 3 here, they don't necessarily have the clearest moral compass because they come from this weird timeline with this weird history of being manipulated by, again, X-Men villain Ahab from Days of Future Past. All right, finally, who are Angel and Beak? Both characters debut early in the Grant Morrison-written New X-Men and eventually develop a romance together. 
As you can tell from reading New Mutants number three, that romance leads to a lot of children. Beak's real name is Barnell Bohusk, and Angel's is, well, Angel Salvador. Beak is more obvious, but both characters are good examples of Morrison's interest in the less savory side of mutation, more focused on uncomfortable physical transformation than any sort of power sets. Strangely, the duo joined up with the early 2010s New Warriors, with Beak operating as the hero Blackwing and Angel operating as the hero Tempest. Even stranger, Angel operated as the hero Tempest in two X-Men movies. Small roles, but it happened. X-Men First Class, and technically an Easter egg in Days of Future Past. Even at this time, though, their powers are more technology-based than much to do with their mutations, and that is where we find them happily living on a farm. Well, not so happily necessarily, but living on a farm with Beak's parents in this issue. With all these new mutants in tow, this issue actually feels the most rooted in House of X setup. Mutant drugs and the humans who want them play a major role. After visiting Beak's parents and showing the power of Krakoan drugs to apparently heal Beak's father, Armor and company are confronted by a well-armed human militia. I find this part pretty interesting because we've had a lot of talk, and definitely in House of X, you know, in, in issue number one, it's declared that Krakoan and, and mutant leverage, as designed by Charles Xavier, Moira McTaggart, and Magneto, is essentially the form of these drugs that they have that will cure all sorts of ailments for humankind. We really haven't had many series get too deep into the implications of this. There's a little bit more, and in, in, in the pages of Marauders, we see you know the Hellfire Council and, and shipping company sending these drugs out, but we haven't gotten a lot into, like, what does this actually mean for humanity? One of these drugs promises to extend lives by five years. And here we have this militia saying, you know, they can't get their hands on Krakoan drugs. Somehow that has been limited, and they are accosting mutants, or at least holding that up as their rationale. Perhaps they wouldn't need much rationale. But their rationale for accosting these mutants is give us the drugs we were we feel we are owed in this case. I think this is a an interesting angle to actually see these drugs and their their reality in the Marvel universe come more into focus. Okay, here's another thing I'm excited about: New Mutants. How this series could function more like an X-Men anthology. Structurally, there's this strange thing going on where New Mutants is written by two authors with disparate visions. I actually kind of enjoy it right now, but if you're into one, Hickman, you know, New Mutants in Space, and not the other, let's say, or you just like the Brisson, you know, Young Mutants on Krakoa, it's a strange split, right? They're two totally different books. I mean, maybe they'll tie together. I'm curious, but it doesn't feel like they necessarily have to or even are trying to, certainly this early. There's honestly a fascinating structure this could lead to, though, which came to mind after viewing the data page explaining how Kirkoan inhabitants of the Academos Sextant are housed according to X-Men class, or more meta-literally, according to series title they're most commonly associated with. I'm very into the idea of the non-Hickman written originals and space arcs alternating between you know, stories about Class Generation X, Class Frost Academy, and so on interweaving and interlocking stories of all sorts of mutant youth. This would be in a typical structure, but I'd also be into the idea of this same approach leading to alternating creative rotations, woven in between Brisson and Flaviano issues. So when Hickman and Rice transition off of their, you know, what is 
announced to have been a an intentionally short arc of the new mutants in space how about leah williams and jen bartell with the five story right and on down the line there's all sorts of potential to have this be sort of the flagship anthology for those younger mutants who otherwise don't have a book unless you're going to announce a generation x title for example as a separate unit which i am not opposed to bring christina strain on back to write it and i'm in Put them in New Mutants. I feel like this could be a cool hook for this book to get all sorts of people's favorite young New Mutants and to introduce new readers who have hopped on with Pows of X and Powers of Ten to learn more about the way mutant kind has developed throughout the 2000s because obviously, like, mutants did not stop with Chris Claremont and Jim Lee in 1991, right? Tons of mutants have been added since then, as all sorts of Marvel Comics fans know well. Thanks for listening, everybody. I like New Mutants number three actually quite a bit. I actually like the switch from space, even though I've been enjoying those Hickman issues. I am intrigued by this split. You know, it sort of feels like a bottle episode on TV almost, but in this case of a disconnected story. Um, but it's about mutants that I care about and a different faction of the youth. Like I said, if this is the vibe this series takes moving forward, I'm here for it. Thanks for listening. If you like the Comic Book Herald YouTube channel or podcast, please consider liking, subscribing, and sharing. And as always, you can go find more of my writing and work and commentary over on comicbookherald.com. Every little visitor <laughs> or big visitor, your size is irrelevant to me, uh, it counts and is super valuable. So thanks, everybody, for sharing and uh, in telling me you know nice things about Comic Book Herald. That is always super appreciated. You can tell me critical things, too. I might listen. Could happen. Thanks, guys uh, and gals. I will be around, not within a review of Fallen Angels number three. I'll just toss it in here. I still don't like Fallen Angels. <laughs> I'm not going to do a whole a whole review of it on the mic because I don't have much to say beyond that. Um, and frankly, that would just be kind of uh, kind of repetitive. But otherwise, I will be around soon with more Crack and Krakoa and commentary. And again, you can find all this over on Comic Book Herald. Oh, final thing. We're doing a huge East of West deep dive. So if you're interested in reading East of West, the Image comic series written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Nick Dragota, now's a great time to read up and join us in the conversation around East of West. Thanks, guys. And I will tell you now to enjoy the comics. (laughs) 